It's all golden to me. It's my dream to have a golden beard. Younger <laughs> <laughs> but looks older. I'll even try a squat. Here we go. The, uh, the uh, six of clubs. The golden. Welcome to another episode of Talk Golden to Me. Your host, Evan Golden, Golden TV, here in the studios at the Berman Law Group, as always. Thank you for joining us, tuning in if you are viewing and listening. Have a great guest on the program today. It's so inspiring. And it's actually a first for me. I'm going to meet my first World Book Guinness Record holder. <laughs> and it's going to be our first uh, Guinness Book Record holder on the show as well. So two firsts today, which is, which is awesome. But what's even more awesome is the reason why she is in the Guinness Book of World Records. And her cause and her mission is going to be so inspiring. So if you're joining us today, we are, we're, we're so excited to share this story. And I think that inspiration is a definition when you hear this woman's name and her voice. So let's welcome everybody to the studio. Karen Lubetsky, thank you so much for joining the Talk Golden to Me podcast program. Thank you for having me. No, like I said, it, it's a first for us, a Guinness World Record holder. So you are a, you're an endurance athlete. I heard that you can just run, 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 Forrest Gump of the Windman. <laughs> but like you're that. not just only running for your own self. You're not running to burn calories. You're not running for fitness or goals. What you're doing is raising money and awareness for children with cancer. I am. Yes. Wow. So I've had an incredible opportunity in my life to be able to compete around the world. And back in 2013, when I was at the Boston Marathon and the bombs blew up all around me, I made a decision that my running had to mean something more than just how fast can I go. And it changed me and it changed a part of me for the better. And I decided that I was going to make a difference in this world and make it mean something. Good for you. And so the bombing in Boston is what inspired you? Yeah. I mean, I think I've spent my entire life trying to give back. My professional career as a lawyer was dedicated to social work. I created a free legal clinic for indigent people living with HIV and AIDS when I graduated from law school and litigated on their behalf for about 10 years and then had a couple kids very quickly, three kids in just under four years, and um, you know, dedicated my life to them. And then, very cliche, but I was turning 40, and I decided that I needed to sort of prove to myself that my body could still do whatever I put my mind to. I think it was a classic midlife crisis, and I started running marathons, and marathons turned into ultra marathons, turned into 135 miles, Ooh. and here we are. Now, is there a certain charity that you run for that you're aligned with? Yes. So I am a board member of the Childhood Cancer Project, which is based out of Golden Beach, Florida. And we formed in late 2015, early 2016, when my dear friend Joanna Siegel's son, Josh, was diagnosed with osteosarcoma. And when cancer came knocking on their door, we had this incredible group of friends and family members and we all responded and we all sort of answered that call and when we saw what Josh had to endure 
it was horrifying. Children who are diagnosed today are receiving the same therapies that children who were diagnosed 40 years ago are receiving. You would never drive a 40-year-old car. You would never use a phone that was probably even four years old. How are we allowing our children to receive these toxic treatments that are over 40 years old? And so that was horrifying to me. And when I started delving a little bit deeper into that and seeing that less than 4% of research dollars are dedicated to childhood cancer, I just knew that I had to do something more. I wasn't really sure what, but I know that whenever somebody says to me, you run 100 miles, you run 135 miles, they want to stop and they want to talk and they're intrigued by it. So I thought, well, why not use that platform and try to sort of marry my two passions and say to them, yeah, and you know what? I'm able to push my body, but some people aren't because they're sidetracked or sidelined by cancer. And what can I do to help? This is what I can do. So out of that, 100 Keys to a Cure was born. The, my first ultra marathon ever, which will always hold a very special place in my heart, was the Keys 100, which is a race that starts in Key Largo and finishes in Key West. And you just run straight down overseas highway. Right over the bridges now. Right over the bridges. You got that seven mile bridge, smack in the middle of the day, sun pounding down on you, late May. Um, an incredible experience. And out of this passion for running and need to feel like I could do something, not just to help Josh, but to make a difference in the fight against childhood cancer, 100 Keys to a Cure was born. And the thought behind 100 Keys to a Cure was if we could get people to take notice and to sponsor me for $1,000 a mile, we could really make a difference. And through now two races at the Keys, two years of the Keys 100, and then this year with my invitation to run Badwater 135, the world's toughest foot race, which garners international attention, we have raised almost a quarter of a million dollars, and every penny of it goes to childhood cancer research. That, that, that's, that's the true blessing, and, I, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Why, why is so, so, many, so such little funds going to cancer research, specifically in the, in the children category? Yeah, well, there's a lot of things. There's families whose children are diagnosed really are focusing directly on their child, and that's where every one of their efforts are. And so there hasn't been a lot of lobbying for childhood cancer research. So that's where sort of my passion um, comes in. Children are very fragile, especially when they're dealing with cancer. So the FDA has been a little less lenient with pushing forward with new protocols. And people have been scared to subject their children, of course, to experimental programming. So what's happening is there's been a sort of halting of the ability to make progress. But that's sort of the, the line that the NIH and other people are towing, where it's not true. When you talk to these families, and I've had the opportunity now to go to some national conferences on childhood cancer and meet with families, they're desperate. They would subject their child to these experimental programs and treatments if there was research behind it and any hope behind it. And there is, and there's incredible oncologists and doctors out there who are making groundbreaking and unbelievable less toxic treatments, but they're still not available to children. 
what a mission what a mission you're doing and, and obviously for such an unbelievable cause and I, I was really not educated on how needed it was so i didn't really realize how neglected this arena was so and less than four percent of research dollars think about that less than four our children deserve more than four where's all the dollars going to so it's going to important places of course and we're not saying that adult cancer research is not important it is but the pathology and the path that cancer takes in a child is different than it takes in an adult. So all of the funding and the research that's going into adult oncology and cancer research doesn't necessarily work on a child. So those dollars are going to cancer research, which is creating protocols for adult cancer, but not for childhood cancer, which really needs separate protocols. One of the most important things that the Childhood Cancer Project is doing, and something that's really near and dear to my heart, is a project called Legacy Autopsies. One of the most important things that researchers have told us that they can do and the way that they can make immediate and quick progress would be to study the tumors of children who have passed. And it's a little bit different than when you biopsy a tumor or you surgically remove a tumor and you're able then to see it because then the tumor is removed from the body and they can't exactly see which vessel it was attached to, where it might have grown, what path it might have taken through an exploratory surgery, which these children have been through so much already and it's not going to really produce any good maybe in their case. So an autopsy on the tumor and the path that it took in each person's specific body is something and a tool that the researchers really feel is going to be where the breakthroughs are going to come and already have come. But each autopsy costs in excess of $10,000. Most families who have a child who is battling cancer have been financially destroyed by the fight to keep their child alive. And when their child has unfortunately passed, many are in financial ruin and don't have the ability to pay for a legacy mm. autopsy, and it's not something that any insurance or anything is paying mm. for. For a family to be able to submit these tumors for a legacy autopsy really is creating a legacy for their child and helps them feel that their child didn't die in vain. So to be able to say to a family, don't worry, the Childhood Cancer Project has this, we're gonna pay for your legacy autopsy, is a way to just give the family back a tiny bit of peace of mind that their child had a purpose. And so those are really dear and near to my heart and something that we've been fighting to support more of. That's a great opportunity. People could volunteer and donate. They could go right to the childhoodcancerproject.org or uh, 100keystothecure.org. 100keystothecure.org. So that's can... the number, 100keystothecure.org. Um, you don't only have to, of course, run with Karen. You can support, <laughs> uh, but that's obviously a great benefit as but well. But you can so, come run with me too. That's fun. I know. I know you're a big recruiter on that. Look, anytime you can talk about just the health benefits and, and, and know that you're running for a strong purpose like that. But I wasn't even unaware that these legacy autopsies existed. And and it's kind of my, my brain is still just so stuck on the 4% yeah. going to kids' cancer research. It's really heartbreaking when you hear that. Heartbreaking. And to see that you know, there are all these families who are told there's nothing more we can do for your child. But there is more. There's a lot more that we can be doing. We can be creating less toxic 
treatments. We can be doing more research. We can be doing these legacy autopsies. And, you know, I'm just an average person who was able to say, hey, let me figure out how I can take my everyday and turn it into something that can help. And if we all just take a few minutes, even a few minutes a year, a few minutes a month to think about how we can do that, real change will happen. And you're, you're getting your sons to run with you now too? I am. That's one of my greatest pleasures. So all three of my sons, they are right now, they're 11, 13, and 15. So all three of them have already run half marathons. And my oldest, who is 15, has run three full marathons. And, you know, he's a teenager. And when we train and when he runs marathons, I stay with him the whole time. I carry his food. I carry his hydration. So there's no phones. There's no social media. There's nothing to distract him. And we could just run and talk and spend that time together. So it's been really special. And my boys have raised over $20,000 themselves through their running. And they're running for a purpose as well. So sort of carrying on that legacy. Good, good. I'm sure you're very proud. So the, yeah. beautiful cause of what you're doing. Make sure you support. Like I said, you don't have to run, although she would love people <laughs> joining the crew. But uh, if you go to 100 with the number 100, keys to the cure.org and certainly support Karen Lubitsky and her mission because, look, childhood cancer is, is tough enough. And when you realize that the funds, the research are not being allocated properly, and now here's a path and a platform to make, make sure that 100% is getting directed there. It's it's a no-brainer because so many people, look, we like to give back. We want to we want to see a difference. And look, a lot of times it is out of sight, out of mind. Of course. But when you see the difference an organization is making, you, you kind of want to, you know, get involved, you know, throughout the year. So uh, definitely listeners, viewers, take advantage of this and, and, and support childhood cancer research. And here's a great platform that we can not only, you know, get physically fit and, and do things great for our body, but really do things remarkable for other people's bodies, which is the most important thing. And um, did you run to the studio today? I ran right before. <laughs> I'm still a little bit recovering from Badwater 135, which I ran about three weeks ago, 135 miles through Death Valley over three mountain ranges. Is the human body supposed to be running these 12 hour? Was, 12 hours, how long was 33 hours. 30, oh <laughs> gosh. 33 hours 33 of running. 33 straight hours. Not straight. You're sleeping, right? No, no sleeping. Straight through. So 33 hours. You're not. You're running. Run. 33 hours straight through. The body through. can't do that. I. This body has done it. You know what? That's the interesting thing. So I think that when people always hear this, and when I talk about it, it sounds crazy. I know it does. But when I'm in it, I'm just in it. It's like I have a job to do. You know, you're here at work, right? And you just sort of put on your work hat and you say, I got to get through this day. I'm going to do what I need to do. And when the work day is over, you relax. And when I'm out on the course, that's my work day. And that's what I'm doing. So where do you go mentally when you start on these on these journeys? You go everywhere. <laughs> you go everywhere and back and there again. So, you know, at, in every single race, if I run 100 miles, it might take 20 hours, 135 miles. It's, you know. That was over three mountain ranges, and it was in Death Valley three weeks ago, and the temperature is 126 We're talking degrees. Tough ter- you have to add the tough terrain to it. It's yeah. hard enough. You know, your one climb was about eight miles up, and it was five up to 5,000 feet, and then straight down. And so the altitude is changing, and the temperature is changing, and then you're going down, then you have to go back up. So there's all of these. My mind goes everywhere. First of all, I always think to myself, like, I could cure the world's problems while I'm running. I could feel really sorry for myself when I'm running. I, every once in a while, when you go on these long runs, you have a crew with you. 
and the crew sort of follows you and they provide you with your food and your hydration and every time I'll Were they in a in, golf cart behind you? They're in a car. <laughs> <laughs> they're in a real car and sometimes I'll come in and I'll I'll yell out, "Write this down" because I'll have a thought or I'll I'll think about, you know, something I have to do or an idea for the childhood cancer project and, you know, your mind goes everywhere, but one of the most important things is invariably when you're running 10 miles, 100 miles, 135 miles, you always come to a place where it hurts mm -hmm. and where you think to yourself, why am I doing this? And so I have a mantra that I repeat in my head and I say, this isn't hard, chemo is hard. This is a choice, no one chose cancer. And so when it starts to hurt and it gets hard, I repeat that to myself twice and I'm good to go. Man, that will definitely keep you going. Yeah. And that's what I, so that's what's really interesting because you could be in the best physical shape but it seems that your your mental mindset and and 100%. that's almost more important because yeah. you got to find the will and yeah. and the passion and the fight to yeah. keep to going and ultra racing especially it's really all about your mindset and knowing that you can do it and i always you know i have my self doubts right before we started out at badwater you know it's literally the world's toughest foot race and we walked outside and we started at 11 p.m. so there was sort of all of that added emotion and everything. And I turned to my husband and I was like, do you think I could do this? And he was like, you absolutely can do this. And that was just like, I took one moment to let myself get there. And then as soon as I got on the start line, I was like, all right, let's do this. Time to go. Fascinating. And when the world record, what did you receive that exactly for? So um, I also do a lot of racing. I'm also a triathlete. And I, um, along with my quadriplegic race partner, what we were the first female duo team to complete an Ironman together. And now we've completed a few. And um, we set out on a journey to prove to anybody and everybody that anything is possible. And most importantly, that my quadriplegic race partner, her name is Carrie Grusin, and she's 71 years old. And if you look at the two of us together, you would say, what can they possibly have in common? And we really are just connected on another level. We have so much in common. And so when we met and we had this instant connection, our goal was to show people that when people stop looking at their differences, but see through that to their similarities, really anything is possible. And so we started doing these endurance races together. And once we conquered Iron Man, she's crazier than me, for sure. So once we conquered Iron Man, she said to me, all right, what's next? what's bigger, what's better. And we found this most incredible race run by people who truly believe in the ability of all athletes, summer sports, and it's called Florida Extreme. And it started on the west coast of Florida in Crystal River. And it's a 300 mile trek, triathlon trek across the state of Florida. Oh, it makes sweet. like a U and you end on the from, east coast. From Gulf to the Atlantic? Exactly, it's called coast to coast. Yeah, how they, they um, say you're gonna race coast to coast. And so the swim every morning is in obviously one location. And then you bike about a hundred miles a day. So the bike takes you up to your next location and then it's the evening. So you run in a park or sort of the same location. In that race you do rest and you go to sleep that night. but. Most nights we got back to the hotel about midnight and we had to be back on the race course by 5 a.m., let alone what we had to do to prep our equipment and things for the next day. Um, so that was a 300 mile trek, but we really wanted to honor a local race company, Multisport. And Multisport has really been the people who believed in us first and the most. 
So we were able to plan everything where multi-sport had a race on Sunday in Miami at the zoo, which was a half Ironman 70.3. So we did that Sunday and this was in November. And then we headed up to Crystal River on Thursday and we did those 300 plus miles. So the world record, and I happen to have it with me, is um, for the most triathlons in a week hauling another person. So we set the record of four of them um, and it was just over 400 miles. So the certificate reads, the most triathlon races hauling another person completed in one month, female is four, and was achieved by Karen Lubetsky, USA, in Palm Coast, Florida, USA, from the 11th to the 18th of November, 2018. And that's that. And then in November, on November 3rd, I think, whatever that first Sunday is, Carrie and I will be competing at the New York Marathon as one of six duo teams who will be racing the New York Marathon, and we will be going for another world record to oh. complete the fastest marathon pushing another person. I was asking, that was my next question, is what's the next record breaker that you're going for? So. Well, that's the next one on the books, but uh, we're always looking for other adventures, and Carrie's always coming up with some crazy things, so That's who knows? a remarkable story, and, and quite an achievement. I'm, I, I just can't believe the human body could do something like that, and, and like I said, you're such an inspiration, and when you equate it back to what these kids are going through, it, it, it's nothing compared to that. You know, it's, it's my privilege to be going through it. I'll, one story about Carrie and I, when we first um, raced together, it was a race called the Race to Alligator Lighthouse. And it's an open water swim, and it's this nine-mile open water brutal swim. And um, we're swimming, and everything's great, and she's attached to my waist. And um, she's in a floating kayak, which is attached to my waist. And I pull the kayak that way, and we're swimming, and it's great, and it's beautiful. And we're like right off of Chica Lodge going out straight to this lighthouse that's about four and a half miles You really out. get to enjoy the views during these things? It was beautiful. When we did Iron Man Cozumel, I, I said to everybody, it was the most beautiful thing. It was like I was swimming in an aquarium. But an alligator lighthouse, very quickly, all of a sudden, it was almost like a wall came of jellyfish. And it was just jellyfish everywhere, everywhere. And there were, I mean, my face, my head, my body. Are you getting stung? Stung, stung, stung. And I'm swimming like this, to the, pushing my arms to the side, to the side, to make a path for the jellyfish, it was insane. So we knew that there were gonna be some jellyfish, so we had prepared a little bit, but I got back on the boat and coated every inch of my body in aquaphor because it would create a little bit of a barrier between me and the jellyfish. And do you I thought you were gonna say we started unleashing the urine on each other. Well, you know, we thought about that and we read about that a lot and we were told it's a real myth. Oh yeah. But I would, at that point, listen, I was willing to try, it hurt. Um, but I said to myself, then I looked back and I had to jump back in. And it was literally, we have pictures of it, it's crazy. As far as the eye could see, it was like a blanket of jellyfish. And that lasted for about three quarters of a mile and then all of a sudden you were through it. And I had to jump right back in. So I just looked at Carrie and I looked at the boat and I looked at the water and I said, she would do anything to be able to feel the sting of that jellyfish and get back in the water. Get back in and I, and I dove back in and swam as fast as I could to get through them. And then the crazy thing was you got through this sort of trench of jellyfish and we got out to the turnaround point and then I knew I had to get back through it because it was the same thing on the way back. So I had to sort of mentally prepare myself for that. And Wow, that's some story. 
You are a true warrior. I, I will, you, you've, you earned that title. And uh, listen, you're a true humanitarian. Uh, I wish more people would do what you're doing and you're selfless and, and you're putting other people behind, you know, in front of yourself, which is just remarkable. And we're talking a Guinness World Record holder, endurance athlete, ultra marathon runner, Karen Lebitsky. And what she does, she runs for the Childhood Cancer Project. And uh, just an unbelievable story. What she's, I'm sure your friend just like thanks you every day for what you've kind of created. You know right? what? Is that what kind of relationship do you guys have? Uh, she's family now. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the funny thing is, is that people always say, oh, you know, you're so selfless or whatever. It's so not true. It's really a selfish endeavor. I get so much more out of it than anybody. Um, racing with Carrie is the greatest gift I could have. You know, I love endurance sports and to be able to go out there and to have the motivation of the childhood cancer project behind me and to know that I have all of these things that are bigger than me that mean so much more that I can race for that's a gift to me so I feel really like it's almost selfish well we appreciate every step you take because we know every step goes back to again childhood cancer and I didn't even realize that it was the number one cause of death with children so um, this is so needed and uh, what, a, what an inspirational story I know that you're going to be having books come out in the future and more events and, and, and more ways for people to participate so you could go right to her website 100keysofthecure.org uh, become a sponsor become a runner uh, learn more about some of her stories it's pretty remarkable when you actually see some of these videos of, of what you've endured and, and, and the fight that you're doing for these children who can't fight so um, remarkable story. We appreciate your time coming on to the podcast today. Thank you for uh, having me and for spreading the word. Yeah, you know what? You got to sometimes just you got to spread awareness, and it's a lot of these small organizations that people just aren't too familiar with. And once they learn about them and they see the difference that they're making, they're, they're going to want to get involved. And it, again, it's it's out of sight, out of mind because this is a real tangible, tangible you know foundation that you're creating when you're talking about 100% proceeds are going. Yeah to research for childhood cancer. So, Karen, we appreciate your time. I know you have probably more running to do. You are a true <laughs> warrior. You have our support, so uh, stay you. by after. We'd like to talk about how we can become a sponsor and get involved, support her as well. Everyone that viewed and listened, we appreciate your time as well. Comment, like, subscribe, go to her website and donate and get involved. Listen, be committed to the community. It feels good uh, and make a difference as we always are trying to do on our show here. So thank you again, everyone, for tuning in. Like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. Helps bring on guests like Karen onto the program. Golden TV is out here. Thank you again for another episode of Talk Golden to Me video podcast from the law offices of Berman and Berman. Till next time, we are out of here. Peace.